morning, everybody. Good to have you here. If you've got your Bibles, open it to the book of Ephesians and open to the fifth chapter. We'll get back to the book of John next week. But uh, with this abbreviated schedule and stuff like that, I decided to go somewhere else instead of moving on to the next passage in John. So we're going to be in Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. This is a general passage that Paul gives to the church at Ephesus, talking about walking in wisdom, or talk, talking about how to live a wise life, that kind of a thing. So we're going to look at that this morning. And uh, if you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you in prayer, and we thank you, Lord, for this day and for this opportunity before us. Pray for our time together. Pray for your divine direction and guidance and uh, insight, and ask God for your presence in the hearts and lives of your people to move them to see your truth according to how you desire. In Christ's name we pray, Lord. Amen. As we begin this passage, Paul is speaking to this church at Ephesus that is uh, actually was actually in what we call modern day Turkey today, but it was a region that was very strongly influenced by Gentiles, Ephesus was, and he's given them specific instructions on living their life and how to, how to act. And so he begins here in verse 15, he says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Some translations will begin this passage with therefore, and the reason being is the word in my passage is translated then. Uh, it can be translated therefore, and the order would move around. So therefore is always a conclusion, meaning that he is continuing the thought from something that has been previously said. So what you've got to discover is what is this uh, therefore, in that position, and what does it mean? Well, it could refer straight to verse 14. It says, therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. That's one place. You could also take it back to verse, uh, verse uh, uh, 14, or verse 17 of the fourth chapter, where he gives them a command. He says, this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. He could be going back there. Or he could be going back to verse one of the fourth chapter. He says, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling which you were once called. He's, he's talking to them about living a life different than what the Gentiles that they're around live. Especially in that verse 17, he says, do not walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. So he's giving them specific instructions on, on how to live, how to execute their life. And he says, see, the word see there uh, can also be translated, be careful. And the word there is blepite, and the word comes from a root. I've got the word. He's going to put it up there in just a second. It comes from the root word, blepo. 
Let me give them time to get that word up there. There we go. Bleepo. And the word means to look, to discern, to perceive something, uh, to contemplate. That word says complete, but it's supposed to be contemplate. To contemplate something intensely or to consider it, to focus upon it. So when he says be or see then, he's saying present imperative, continually look, continually be observant, okay? The idea is in the Christian life, you can't live your life without a clear focus. You've got to be alert at all times. You've got to continually be looking and being observant. Now, where are you looking? You're looking internal and external. You make sure that your own direction in life, internal, is not going off path. And then external, you're looking for things that would hinder your walk in your life. And so what Paul's telling them is to be observant, be watchful in what you're doing. This is a uh, present tense command throughout the scripture. Paul says in the book of Colossians, we just went through it a couple years ago, but if you look in Colossians chapter 2 and look at verse 8, he gives them a warning there. He says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. So they have that caution there. And you see those cautions all throughout Scripture. And in the book of Ephesians, he's been giving them, saying, be observant, be aware. Look at what your surroundings are. Watch what's going on around you. And when I was writing this, I was thinking, you know, you watch animals out in the wild and you watch how observant they are and how they constantly are looking and uh, looking for danger. Uh, very, very cautious. And sometimes they're pretty slick on how they do it. I was watching uh, Doe the other day out in our yard and she was busily eating and just grazing on some stuff that I had out there for them to eat. And then, but I had my binoculars when I zeroed in on her face, her eyes were actually up looking at me while she was eating the grass. She wasn't looking at her grass she was, or the oats. She was looking at me and she was watching me is what she was doing. And I could make a little bit of move, movement and she'd throw her head up and then she'd go back to eating. Uh, and so, and she's out there every day eating her and, and a little buck with her and stuff, but they're constantly observant of what's going on around them. That's how we're to be in the spiritual life. You're to be constantly observant. Don't ever think that, that things are okay or you don't have to be that way. Don't ever think you can let your guard down. So Paul says, see them, be observant that you walk circumspectly. Now the word there for walk is the word peripeto, and it's a compound word coming from a word that means about, and the pateo means to walk or to make progress, to move about is the idea. And it is a very common word used by Paul in the New Testament. The walk that he's talking about here is living out your Christian life. It's a very popular word in the book of Ephesians. If you want to look just a second, go back to chapter two and look at verse two and you'll see we just go, we'll walk through the book of Ephesians and look at the word walk. Verse two, he says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. What that means is you ordered your life according to the course of the world. You lived your life 
according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Look at, uh, move down from there, look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right, we're to, we're to walk in the works that God has prepared. Chapter four, you look in chapter four, verse one, Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were once called. And so the idea there is order your life in this fashion or this manner. Verse 17, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. You shouldn't order your life in that fashion. You shouldn't live your life in that fashion. Chapter five, verse two, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Verse eight, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And then we come to our passage. See then that you walk circumspectly. You live your life with precision. You live your life with proper order. You execute your life in that manner. You walk in line with your position is the idea. Now I've talked to everyone about that before. Your position is what you are in Christ. Your condition is what you live out here on earth. And so your walk should be lined up with what you are. You are a child of God. Or scripture says, an ambassador for Christ. We're living for him. And so your life should reflect that. Your life should be in line with that. You should have a conformity to that standard that God has established. And Paul tells us how that walk is to be in this passage. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly. Now, circumspectly is a word that we don't use a whole lot in our language today, but the word means to have exactness or to have precision. He's going to put the word up in a minute. There we go. To have exactness or precision or accuracy, to conform to a standard or a norm, okay? So what would it mean to walk circumspectly? It would mean to walk in accordance to what the word of God reveals is acceptable. That is the direction where to go. So to have a circumspect walk would be a walk that is skillful or a walk that lines up with what God is desirous for us to do. Circumspectly comes from a Latin word, which means to be cautious is what the word means. And so we have a, we have a conformity in our life for a standard or an established norm that we're to live by. And what would that be? Very clearly, it's going to be the word of God. Paul told him back there in that 17th verse of verse 14, I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles in the futility of their mind. And then he talks about their position and what they are. But he gets to verse 20 and he says, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, put off your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man 
which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. So the circumspect walk would be a walk that is in righteousness and holiness. Falls right in line with what he says in verse 14 of the fifth chapter. Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead. Christ will give you light. What is light? Light is his revelation. It's direction for life. He opens the way for us. So a circumspect walk will be a walk or a life that lines up into the pathway or the direction that God has ordained. To have a careful, cautious walk in the way you live, in the way you operate, in the way you conduct your business. You walk in line with your position, which is in Christ, so therefore your condition should be reflective of that. We're to be reflecting that in our lifestyle. Go back to verse 1 of chapter 4, just another reiteration. He says, therefore, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And so to be worthy, again, is that, is that word that means to balance things out. Worthy means to measure out and to equal. And, and I've used the illustration before, but just make you mindful of it. It is the balance beam scale when you, in the old grocery stores, when you'd buy something, uh, you put a weight, a known quantity on one side and you put your, what you're purchasing on the other side. And when it balances up like that, that's how much it weighs. That's what it means to have a worthy walk. You put Christ on one side or you put God's standards on one side, put your life on the other side. Put our life on the other side and we see if our life is measuring up to the standard that God has established. That's what Paul's calling this church to do, to be very cautious in what they do, to walk with a purpose, to walk with a direction, to walk in accordance to norms and standards. And he says, not, verse 15, not as fools, but as wise. Now, a fool there does not mean a stupid person, not the way the word is used in Scripture. The contrast between the fool and the wise person, uh, you go all the way back like a book of Proverbs and read it. A fool is a person that lives their life independent of the word of God. The wise man lives their life in line with the word of God. Being a fool in scripture does not mean that you're stupid. A lot of times we use that word like that. He's a fool. And what we mean is he's not very bright. Sometimes we use the word, he is a fool. We mean that he does crazy things. But what the scripture is talking about when it uses the word fool, it means someone that lives apart from the word of God or lives their life in contrast to the word of God versus the wise man is the one that lives his life in line with the word of God. Book of Proverbs tells us in that first chapter, verse seven, it says, that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. That when you fear God, when you respect God, that's when wisdom begins. Because when you respect God, what are you going to do? You're going to line up in line with God is what you're going to do. So in this passage, when he says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. He's saying, don't live your life like the Gentiles. Don't live your life independent of God. Don't live your life based on your feelings or your emotions or your own personal desires. Live your life based upon the standard that God has set forth. 
because that is the standard God calls us to live by. That is the by faith standard of scripture. To live by faith means that you live your life in line with what is the revealed word of God. God's word is revealed. Faith says, I believe what the word says. I don't believe my feelings or my emotions or my own ideas. I'm going to go with what the word says. And I'm trusted in the word. That is what a wise person does. A wise person aligns themselves, boom, with the word of God. So let's look at that passage all together. He's saying, be alert, be attentive. Make sure that you order your life and you live your life with purpose and intention and with exactness and precision, not as a fool, but as a wise person. So he's just simply giving them an imperative there to live their life in an established manner that is pleasing to God. Then he says, verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so redeeming the time goes back to the verse 15, and we got to look at what does he mean by redeeming the time. The word there for redeeming, it comes from a compound word also, and that word is ekagorazo, and that word is usually used in reference to Christ redeeming us from our sin. Ekagorazo comes from two words, ek meaning separate, agorazo, to buy back or acquire, to buy something, and so it's a picture of you go down to the marketplace and there's something in the marketplace and you give them money and you buy that something and you have it, you get that product to yourself. When it's used in relationship to Christ, it's a picture of him buying us out of our sin, buying us away from our sin. And how does he do that? He does it with his blood. Turn to the book of 1 Peter, if you would. 1 Peter. And if you would, look at, uh, oh, let's, begin, let's look at, uh, look at chapter 1. And I want you to look at, uh, let's go ahead and begin with verse uh, 13. 13 of chapter 1 of Peter. He says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to your former losses in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. There's that standard. And it's something that all the epistles address. He says that if you call on a father who without partiality judges according to each man's work, Conduct yourselves throughout your time of sojourning here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by patrician from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so there's a picture of redemption. Go back to Ephesians. Picture of redemption is that Christ bought us out of the slave market of sin. He delivered us from the slavery of our sin. And how did he do that? What did he use to buy that with? He bought that with his blood, with his death. He sacrificed himself to pay for our sin, to cancel our sin debt, and to set us free from our sin. So to redeem means to buy something back. 
So when we look at our passage here and he says redeeming the time, what he's saying is you buy back the time, you get the time back. Where are we getting it back from? We're getting it back from the presence of evil in the world. It means make the most of the time that you have. Seize the opportunity before you. And that's one of the reasons I chose this passage. I thought this would be a good passage for the new years. A lot of people like to make new commitments every year uh, and probably just go back and do the ones you didn't do last year is the easiest way to do it. Just re put them on a loop, you know, and just get it going again. But, uh, but one of the things that is very wise to do is to seize opportunity that comes before you to serve the Lord. Amen. Grab that opportunity. Opportunities don't pop up all the time. And if you're not careful in life, you'll pass up opportunity. You'll roll past it. Uh, a lot of times people will say, you know, we need to do this. And I said, and the best thing to do sometimes is say, when do you want to do it? And you make a decision right then, you get something established. That's how it is in a Christian life, in serving God. When an opportunity presents itself, boom, we should seize that opportunity. We should grab that opportunity the, to, to get it back. The redeeming time here, time, the word here for time is kairos. And it means a point or a period of time, a distinct fixed period. And so what he's talking about is, Redeeming back the time means the time is as present in your life. Whatever is set before you, seize the opportunity to achieve it. Don't pass it up. Because many times opportunities in ministry present themselves and then they're gone. And understand this, God is going to get his work done. All right? God uses people, but trust me, if you don't do it or I don't do it, God will raise up somebody else to do it to get his work done. His work is not gonna go undone. But see, what ends up happening is you and I miss the opportunity to do it. We don't seize the time properly. We don't grab it. So when that time pops up, go after it. Seize the time. Grab that time. Buy it back for good. He says, because the days are evil. Uh, the, the days and times in which we live in, no different than Paul's. Day and time we live in is evil. And, and if you could see that progressively every day, we're progressively more evil becomes the norm. And especially in our culture here in America, which what is the culture we're focused on, but our culture is rapidly deteriorating. And it's definitely headed in the wrong direction. And so when opportunities arise, you need to seize those opportunities. You need to grasp them, get a hold of them, grab them, and use them for the kingdom of God. Use them for the betterment of, of God's kingdom and to bring about God's purposes. Paul, uh, the psalmist wrote something very similar to this all the way back in the book of Psalms. So if you want to turn to Psalm 90, do so. And I want you to look at uh, Psalm 90, verse 12. God speaking to uh, the children of Israel. And in this 12th verse, look what he says. He says, so teach us to number our days 
that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What does that mean to number our days? To be wise with the opportunity that's before us. To realize that life is short. You know, when you're young, you don't think about the brevity of life. It seems like it's going on forever because it takes forever. Like you watch kids, it takes forever for their birthday to come. My birthday finally got here. It takes forever for Christmas to get here. Christmas finally got here. School's finally out. You know, and, and they mark these time periods in their life. And the time period between 1 and about 18 seems like it goes on forever. Because I'm telling you, from, from 19 to the end of life, it flies by, folks. It flies by. And anyone in here that's of that age will be able to identify with that. Especially once you get children in your home. Because it's like they grow, they're boom. They're kids and all of a sudden they're adults. As a parent, you've got to redeem the time. Don't wait. Don't put off opportunities to teach. Don't delay. Because time doesn't stop and wait for you. Time keeps moving. And we live in an evil day and an evil time. And I can promise you, evil doesn't take a break. Evil doesn't take a break. And so as believers, you can't take a break. So what Paul's saying is, redeem the time. Seize the opportunity. Grab the opportunity that is set before you. And use it for, for the good of God's kingdom. Teach us, Lord, to number our days. When he talks about evil in this passage, he says, because the days are evil. The word evil there is present tense, and that means they're continual. It doesn't stop. That's what he's saying. Is. The evil doesn't abate. And the evil is going to press on until when? Until God brings an end to time. Until God comes back. Until he comes back. Evil is going to progressively move forward. And that's what you see happening in the world around us. So what's the solution to that? Be alert. Be attentive. Buy back the time. Use the time for service towards God. Redeem that time because the days are evil. Make a commitment in your life to seize an opportunity this year. To jump in on an opportunity. Plenty of opportunities to minister. Jump in there and minister. Be a source of light for the world around you. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. There's your reasoning. The days are evil. They're continually evil. They're not going to change from being evil. Walk in a manner that pleases God and seize the opportunity. As you walk and you live for God, opportunity will pop up in front of you. You just got to be alert to recognize it when you see it and to seize it. Now, that opportunity popped up on me just this last week, sitting there talking. A guy came up, asked me a question, and I was explaining the answer to him. And then I realized, you know, the real bottom line to this answer is this guy doesn't know Christ. And so immediately use that opportunity to jump on that. And I shared the gospel of the guy. He came trusted Christ, came to faith in Christ. But that was the bigger issue. The question was a sign or a symptom that there was something bigger behind it. And fortunately, I was alert enough to see that at that time. Or maybe I wasn't. Maybe it was just God's Holy Spirit moved my heart to see it, uh, which most likely is the case, and uh, sees that time. That's how life is. Life passes by. We get, we get so used to us living life, we forget opportunities when they pop up. Seize the time. Redeem the time because the days are evil. Let's pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace and we thank you, Lord, 
We thank you, Lord, for taking us through this past year. We look forward to this next year. And, Father, I pray for our church body and for all believers here, Father, that we would seize the opportunities that are before us to do ministry and to serve you. Father, we are grateful to you for watching over us and protecting us, caring for us. And we just look forward to this next year. And we pray, Father, that we would be wise to seize the time and to live for you. For it's in Christ's name we pray, Lord. Amen.